welcome to Turn the Page, the official podcast of the Syosset Public Library. Welcome to Syosset Library's Turn the Page podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jessica, and with me I have... Hello, I'm Jen. And uh, we have a really um, great author and I guess cartoonist here today. Um, and her book, I'm So Happy You're Here, is delightful. Um, so please tell everyone who you are and um, about the inspiration for writing this book. Hello, um, thank you so much for having me. Um, my name is Liz Climo. I am an author, an illustrator, comic artist. Uh, I worked in animation for a long time on The Simpsons uh, for like 14 years, and then um, started posting my comics to a website or you know, Tumblr, a Tumblr blog, and uh, they sort of took off. And so now I do that full time and um, have been working in publishing for almost 10 years. Uh, and my latest book, I'm So Happy You're Here, just came out yesterday, uh, Tuesday, and it is a sort of an adult picture book, but it's really all ages. Um, I think I heard someone say five to 95, which is very accurate because it's uh, <laughs> it's just sort of a feel good book that's meant to be sort of a companion, something to cheer you up um, and just remind you that, you know, the people who love you are happy you're here and just to just to feel good about yourself for exactly who you are. I, I have um, some, some real uh, feels about this book because it is very sweet. Um, and um, like one of the things that kind of came to mind, you know, when you say it's from five to 95, um, I have seven year olds. So um, the tr if nobody is familiar with what a stuffy is, um, it's like what they call stuffed animals, my, my seven year olds. Um, and I've heard other kids are using this term too. We, we just call them stuffed animals. But like my, my thought was while reading it, it's like affirmations from your childhood stuffies or your favorite picture book characters just sort of, you know, telling you it's okay, you're good, you're great. Um, and it was just a very heartwarming experience. That I I, I love that. That's, that's, I, I have a nine-year-old and I'm familiar with stuffy, the term stuffies as well. And uh, that's, yeah, that's right. I think, um, you know, I think as we get older and certainly children too, like there, we have sort of like this internal dialogue. And um, I think it's important to sort of just try to practice speaking kindly to yourself. And I think it's easy for us to sort of speak negatively to ourselves, or just, you know, tell our, ourselves like, you know, we can't do it or, or, you know, this should be, you should be afraid of this or you shouldn't do this. And that's normal. It's all normal. And it's just, uh, the book is just sort of like reflecting on the practice of speaking a little bit more kindly to yourself and, um, and yeah, just, you know, like a stuffy being a, being a companion and letting, you know, the reader know that it's okay. Like it's okay if you're going through a hard time. And also I, I want to point out, it's not necessarily like, you know, you're having a hard time. Well, cheer up. You know, that's not what the message is supposed to be. It's more just like, this is this, it's normal to go through it. Um, but you know, the people, again, like the people in your life and including yourself are happy, you know, happy that you're here. So. I really loved its messaging. I thought it was really, um, you know, sweet, as Jessica said, but also very, yeah, affirmative and very comforting. And, 
you know, it, it struck me that it's kind of like almost without saying it like a, a teeny tiny intro guide to like some aspects of cognitive behavioral therapy, you know, because it's about like the voice inside your head and your relationship to that voice, you know, and, I, and what I really appreciated is that like it doesn't really um like demonize that little voice, you know, that we all have that tells us negative things sometimes, but it normalizes it, you know, it, it like renders it a little bit less scary, not by like, you know, casting it as a monster, but rather as like just part of your, I don't know, healthy ecosystem, if that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. And that's a, that's a really lovely way to put it. Um, and, and, you know, obviously I'm not, I'm not a, a therapist, but I have gone to therapy and I have, I'm an, I'm a very anxious person. Um, I have um, generalized anxiety. So I am very familiar with the, the idea of like, you know, the negative self-talk and I've done a lot of practice to try and work on that. And, um, and you're right because that, that voice, is just another part of ourselves. So you have to, you know, just trying to push it away and like demonize it, as you put it, 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 it's not necessarily helpful. It's good. To, it's embracing every part of yourself. So that's a really lovely, lovely thing to say. So thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. So I'm curious, just when, when you're drawing, the animals that you draw are adorable. They're adorable. But like, how do you, I mean, do you know what animal is going to be doing what or saying what? Like, you know, like you have fish, you have a porcupine, like, is it the porcupine uh, jumping on the pogo stick? Oh, yeah. Um, it's, it's, yeah. That, so, so yeah, that's a great question. And in and, and that specific example, it's, you know, there's, a, a line of little critters and then there's one who's sort of like going against the grain and that so though those kit drawings are of lemmings and so I kind of wanted I chose those that animal particular because I wanted to represent you know everyone sort of going in the same direction and th this one you know wanting to go in another direction and, and I think that's you know in that case it seemed like an appropriate animal to do that um and I do I mean the characters on a whole are sort of like they're not so distinct. Like I can, I can sort of swap them out. And like some days it's just like, I just feel like drawing an alligator. So I'll draw an alligator, <laughs> but I do try and make a point. Um, like for instance, I did a comic on Monday where um, the bear character who I use a lot because he sort of just represents me um, is holding something behind its back and saying like uh, talking to a rat and it's saying like, do you want to see something cute? And the rat says, sure. And then it holds up a mirror in front of the rat's face and the rat perks up. So in that situation, I was actually thinking of drawing maybe like a hamster or something else small, but then I was like, no, I think it needs to be an animal that maybe doesn't, it's sort of like people don't always don't love, like people don't love rats. So, and so it's sort of more like, hey, you know what? Like this is, this is you and you know, like, isn't it cute? You are cute. And that rat is actually in the book and it's like, it just felt but like a nice sort of tie-in. But the answer is yes, I, I do try to think about, you know, what animal I'm using to sort of represent whatever emotion I'm trying to get across. I love that. I think that's really interesting. And I hadn't really thought about that that much. Um, I have another uh, question about kind of how you like shaped this book and maybe like how uh, your approach to cartooning. I thought it was really interesting that you had worked both in animation and in, um, you know, putting work on Tumblr, which was, you know, a very vibrant space for webcomics at one point in history uh, or recent, recent history. Um, and I'm wondering like if either of these uh, mediums or media um, influence the way that you approach writing a book as opposed to, you know, working on animation or a serial comic? Well, I think, I think my background in animation and specifically The Simpsons, which is, you know, it's a sitcom, it's an animated sitcom. So like, 
the acting, when I worked there, I did what's called character layout, um, and which is essentially just acting. So I would act out the characters. I would, I would get direction from the director and I would get the script from the writer and I would sort of try to find the best way to convey the joke or convey the line by subtle acting because it is again like a sitcom and not, you know, like a zany, crazy cartoon. There's no, it's not like Wile E. Coyote. Um, and so that, I think when I transitioned into comics, I was really, really like in this space where like humor was a very subtle thing. And so I think that lent itself to the sort of style of comedy that I'm doing, um, even though, you know, it's it's more gentle and like much more subtle than The Simpsons. But it, that that background, I think, definitely kind of gave me that the tools to sort of like make those sort of those jokes work and also clarity is really important um in in animation and in this uh the doing character layout you want to make everything really really clear nice silhouettes you don't want to you, you don't want the joke to get lost in a bunch of overcomplication. and so those really gave me the tools I think to sort of go to this space and like do something of my own but like with the tools that I learned sort of working in animation and then Tumblr, you know, <laughs> I just, I didn't actually really know how to, I didn't know how to make a website. I barely know how to make a website now. And so I was just kind of posting as a, as a uh, sort of a practice of accountability while I was working on The Simpsons. I was like, well, I want to do my own stuff and I want to put it out there so that like, I have to keep doing it sort of in a way. And Tumblr was just like a really useful tool for me to just kind of like throw it up there and it was just up and I didn't have to do any programming or anything like that. So. So when did you start um, drawing this and putting it together as a book? Did it sort of um, come to you as, okay, I'm going to make this like a complete project? Or did you kind of start drawing these animals and you're like, you know, I think that there is um, a reason I'm drawing them all and I want to put them together in a book? So I started doing the the actual like the comics that appear in the book or the characters that appear in the book they sort of appeared first on my blog uh and that was almost 10 years ago that I started putting them up there and they were just comics it was really just you know here's an idea for a comic usually a two-panel comic here's the joke and then it was sort of like self-contained and then I'd move on and then you know do more and more and then with this book I had done other picture books and I had done uh, I have comic compilations that I've done where it's just a collection of those comics that I've posted to Tumblr. But with this one, I knew I wanted to do sort of a longer form uh, book and story with those animals that are in the comics. And I'd already done, uh, I did a book called Your Mom and a book called Your Dad. And those books were similar and like the animals all appeared in those books and, you know, the narrator sort of takes you through and like talks about, you know, comments on what's happening in the, in the illustrations and then ties together at the end. Um, and so I had sort of done that already with those two books, but with this one, I really wanted to get away from, you know, the roles of like a parent or, you know, I wanted to kind of focus more on the individual because while those books were really fun, and I'm very proud of them. I, you know, I kind of wanted to, to talk more to, you know, get away from that because, you know, people, some people aren't parents and some people don't, aren't filling a parental role in anyone's life. And let's, let's talk about those people, you know, what <laughs> like, so, um, so yeah, I wanted to, to sort of just kind of do the same thing, but you know, in a kind of a broader scale. So what are some of your um, favorites? Um, I guess feel good either just like animation or 
maybe picture books that might be either geared toward children or adult? Like what, what is um, something that you would go to uh, for like a feel good um, art experience? Um, so animation wise, there's a show called, I don't know if you've heard of a show called Gumball, but it's a show that my daughter's a big fan of. And I, I would sort of like, you know, listen in as she was watching. I love that show so much. I think because it's, it's, it's really, uh, it's sort of, it, it is subtle in the way that it's really heartwarming. Like there's a few songs on that show that, um, you know, sort of celebrate differences and like, you know, like loving yourself. Uh, like there's a character who's essentially, I think her name's Sussy and it's just like an upside down face. And so it's like your chin and your mouth and that's her character. And she's, you know, quote unquote weird and different. And so, but she's really confident and proud of herself. And so I love that that show is like, so you think it's just kind of be like wacky zany and not have a lot, you know, underneath, but it is so, so, you know, it kind of like secretly gets you. Um, I love that. I loved Over the Garden Wall, which um, was just stylistically beautiful. Uh, just introduced that one to my kids. I literally, we finished it two nights ago. Um, and it was like, I was wondering at what, like, what's the age that's the best to introduce it to them. And we weren't sure if it was going to be too scary, but perfection. It's so good. And yeah, that's the thing. It's like, that's another one where it is, a, it is, it can kind of go a little into that scary direction, but it really is for all ages. And I mean, the voice actors and me, Melanie Linsky is like one of my favorites. And <laughs> like, who doesn't love Melanie Linsky? So it's like, yay. <laughs> and I believe Christopher Lloyd does the voice too. So it's just, it's, it's beautiful. I love that. Tim Curry is in it too. It's oh, not, yeah, trying to remember if Tim Curry has two voices in it or, or one, I think John Cleese is in it. It's really Elijah Wood. Mm -hmm. is is in it actually what one of my friends after it finished she she did this little like you know trivia thing thinking she'd stump me she's like what's the connection to peter jackson in this show i'm like well melanie linsky was in um was it um was it it wasn't beautiful oh, creatures. creatures was it not beautiful creatures? <laughs> heavenly creatures <laughs> beautiful creatures is that which book based uh movie based on the book uh yes heavenly creatures and elijah wood was in lord of the rings and she's like ah, i thought i stumped you i'm like you did not <laughs> it's really it really is a very rich story that you know for for us adults um you know we see something in it and you know i wasn't sure whether the kids were gonna see something in it too and it really it really is um just great it's it's beautiful and I think the thing I love about that and I also love about gumball and the thing that they have in common is I tend to sort of like something that's you know have there's like a like a like a dark comedy like I like a little bit of darkness in the art that I consume and I'm also very aware that what I do is very very sweet and it's it's you know very feel good and so I don't ever want to veer into a space where it's like too like saccharine or too maudlin and I think it's nice to sort of like be inspired by these other comedies that like do the darkness really well. And um, hopefully I can like take tools from that and not go too over the top. Like <laughs> everything's okay. You know, <laughs> I don't ever want to be too much like that, but it's nice to sort of be uplifting when I can. Yeah. I think another um, thing that I really appreciated about it, that it sort of shares with like some of these uh, properties we've just been talking about is that it has like, um, 
like a real uh, sort of emotional core, you know, like there is like a lot of kids entertainment is, um, well, you know, I'm thinking of like the 90s stuff that we watch, like the Nicktoons, a lot of it is like very influenced by like alternative comics and that are, are themselves pretty dark or like pretty gross, you know, and those like have a place and those were great in their way. But I kind of appreciate this, this like recent turn into like sort of um, just like earnest stuff, you know, like very sincere stuff. Yeah. And I think that's also something um, the Simpsons has really done right, especially like the really early seasons there, you know, there was this moral compass that, you know, and, and working on the show, like I remember there were certain things you just, you just didn't really do it, like within the script. I didn't really work with any of the, the writing at all, but like you, you would never get a script where there was like something that you would see, like say on like family guy, it was always kind of like in a very, like, again, like a moral compass and sort of like a code where they didn't really veer um, away from like that sort of like secretly wholesome center that was kind of buried underneath a bunch of antics and like kind of crassy, <laughs> which I liked. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, and that was like present from the very start too, because like, you know, we, we often go back and watch old Simpsons as a sort of like another like security blanket type of <laughs> type media. And um, when we watched um, Lisa gets the blues, like I was like crying the whole time. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is such an accurate depiction of just like of, of depressive thoughts and depressive feelings. And it really like that show has enormous sympathy for Lisa and it, it takes her seriously and her feelings seriously. And, you know, like that was something that the show has always been really good at. I agree. And Lisa, Lisa's a great character because she's kind of the audience. Like she's kind of the most, you know, realistic character in the whole show. So having her sort of go through that I think it's it's just like a nice relatable way to sort of like you know see like hey see that in yourself like I know how that feels and you know and I know how you know the out the outside sort of like reflects like what I'm doing on the inside so yeah they the Simpsons is great it, it's 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 a great show yeah, Lisa's like, uh, you know, it's so funny with all of the characters, Lisa's like the meme of the century, you know, with like the the screen in the back holding her cue cards and, you know, uh, that I think um, she's she's kind of who who I think of when it's like, listen, you, you don't like you were, you know, you, you don't have to be overly sweet and you don't have to be edgy for the sake of being edgy. Yeah, and it's funny, like, you know, people are always saying, like, the Simpsons predicted it, and, like, I don't, you know, obviously that's not, the Simpsons aren't an oracle, like, they're not actually predicting, it's like, they're just, just we've had, like, a, 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 the past few years have been so, so ridiculous, like, so many things happen that, like, we just never really would have expected where would happen, and the Simpsons was just sort of, like, parodying that way back when, and now here we are, and Lisa, along the way, it was kind of like, the voice of reason, like, kind of like, no, this actually can't happen. <laughs> it will happen. And then, uh, and then there we went. <laughs> so, Oh, totally. Um, yeah. Because um, I think like really what has happened is that like, you know, the Simpsons didn't so much predict stuff as much as like just satire and reality have collapsed into each other. <laughs> so it's kind of just indistinguishable from satire. Um, I did have one more question about the book and its rhyme scheme and the writing of that, because it's really um, very well written, like it scans, per, you know, perfectly It's <laughs> as a poet, like, um, and I'm wondering, like, were there, um, like, what were the, um, the voices of you know children's books or children's writing that kind of like shaped your approach to the writing of this book. 
Well, so it's interesting because when I wrote it, I feel like I wrote it out and I knew what I wanted to say, but I couldn't quite ever get it right. And then one day I just kind of started rhyming and then it sort of like took it almost as it sounds very silly and a little corny, but like it was almost like a path that unfolded in front of me where it was like with each rhyme, it sort of took me with, I knew where I wanted to go because I'd already sort of written it out, but then the rhyme took me in a like sort of gave me more of a clear direction. And I think, you know, the obvious answers um, like Shel Silverstein, I was always a huge fan of Shel Silverstein when I was young, still, uh, still am. And, um, you know, I would just, I loved the sort of, you know, the, the, the books of poetry where each page or each, you know, every couple pages, there was its own self-contained story. And, and uh, so that certainly lent itself. And then also Dr. Seuss, like I, I was, you know, it, it has sort of a, um, what's it? Um, other places you'll go, I suppose. Does that book, that book rhymes, right? <laughs> okay. So it's, you know, that's those definitely, because I was, that's what I was reading when I was, when I was young. Um, and uh, that and the far side. And so I feel like the, they, those all kind of combined and took me back. And, you know, the nice thing is, is that I hadn't, the book before this one, Your Love, which is a children's book, that was the first time I'd ever rhymed um, in a book. And I wasn't actually sure I was allowed to, like, I wasn't sure when I, when I, I sold the book and I, they, you know, I told them what it was about. I didn't tell the publisher, like, and it's going to rhyme. So when I delivered the materials, I was a little like, I hope this is okay. And to be honest, they were like, you know, sometimes rhyming doesn't work. And sometimes, you know, we're not thrilled, but this actually, you know, this, this is working for us. And so it sort of took me on a path where now I'm, I'm, it, I mean, I love to do it. Like, I, I think it's really fun. So. I want to ask you about the color palette you use. It is very soothing. Um, and it's like, but it's not like it's not like pastel or it's very like earthy and it feels very grounded if that is uh if that makes any sense um could, could you talk a little bit about that absolutely color is something that I struggle with and I am learning I mean I'm still I, it's come I've come a long way I think and I'm still learning as I go um because you know, color as you know, it's like, it's its own art form. It's, and, and it's something that like, I wasn't really super familiar with. And so I feel like I, when I started doing comics, I was, you know, I work in Photoshop. So I would just, there was like a standard palette at the bottom and I'd be like, green, <laughs> I picked that color blue. Um, and then I, you know, then I started to become a little bit more thoughtful about it. And I would like pull color from, you know, places where I'm like, oh, I like, you know, I'd see a picture and maybe like, oh, I love that color. And I kind of pull that green and like put it in the, in the gecko or something. And I've sort of just been doing that over the past 10 years. And then I'll take it and I'll, you know, go into the palette and Photoshop and I'll kind of move the button around. And so it's sort of just like an instinctual thing for now. And, and I'd sort of just try to stay away from being too oversaturated and not too pastel. So that's probably where like the earthy colors come in. Uh, so, uh, I try to just kind of find somewhere in between, but the short answer is I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I just kind of going for it. And hopefully the fact too, that like a lot of my backgrounds are white helps because I, you know, I don't have to think too much about the color and I try to keep it like pretty clear, but I will admit that like when I'm doing a book where there's backgrounds, it's a challenge for me to try and the color is, is much more of a challenge than the drawing itself. Thank you for chatting with us. You know, I want to say that I really loved this book. And one of the things I particularly loved was sort of the, the message about like accepting mistakes and like embracing 
failure and how that's part of like a natural learning process. Because I think especially now, lots of people, young and old, are um, very afraid of failure, you know, because like the stakes seem really high all the time and it's very, there's a lot of pressure. And I think that's a really good message to sort of like internalize really early, you know? Yeah, thank you. I mean, I... I cert I am I'm have a hard time make with mistakes and that's something I think comes from childhood and a lot of people struggle with and I think it's you know I, I I've there have been a lot of times in my life especially in my early adulthood where I sort of missed opportunities to grow because I was so afraid of making a mistake and now that I'm older I'm less afraid and I sort of just make mistakes left and right and it's fine because I know that's the only way forward so I really, I'm glad that you, you noticed that. And I'm, I'm, I hope that it helps other people because it certainly took me 41 years to figure out that it's okay. <laughs> it's okay to make mistakes. Thank you so much. Um, so this has been Jessica with Syasset Libraries Turn the Page podcast. Our, oh, my, my librarian, my co-host today. I'm sorry, Jen. That's okay. <laughs> Uh, Jen, hi, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> and our guest today was... Liz Climo, thank you so much for having me. This has been really fun and I really appreciate you having me today. And we are going to close this chapter of Turn the Page. It's time to close this chapter of Turn the Page. Join us for the next episode.